Welcome to the Truth and Liberty broadcast. We believe we have a mandate to bring godly change to our nation and the world through the seven spheres or mountains of influence. To further this cause, we give away a product every week that will empower you to get involved in changing your life and changing our world. You can register for our weekly giveaway by subscribing at truthandliberty.net. You can also subscribe to our newsletter to receive weekly updates on guests, news, and much more. This is an interactive live cast and we welcome your questions. To ask a question during the live cast, use the comment or chat features. Now get ready to dive into this week's topics with our hosts on location in Colorado, USA. Hello everybody, this is Richard Harris. I'd like to welcome you to the Truth and Liberty Livecast. It's gonna be a great show tonight. We're so glad that you're watching. Uh, we have um, one of my favorite people in the whole world, Bishop E.W. Jackson is joining us tonight and I know this is gonna be great. I know this is a God deal because uh, last week we just had the elections where we saw the huge turnaround in the state of Virginia and E.W. is a resident of Virginia. He ran for office in Virginia, so it's gonna be great. I'll give him a more uh, suitable introduction in just a second, but I'm really also excited tonight because Kim Kohler is joining us and Kim is yeah, going to co-host with us tonight. Kim is the coordinator of the Practical Government School at Karis Bible College, uh, a job that I started with uh, and uh, she's doing such an amazing job and it's just great to have you with us, Kim. Thank you, Richard. So uh, we'll get back to EW in just a second, but now I just want to hand it over to you because you've got some important information to share with everybody. I do. Thank you, and I'm honored to be here tonight. I'm excited to speak with E.W. Jackson. Um, first of all, I want to talk about the truthandliberty.net website. Um, we want you to visit that because we have some new resources that are outstanding. If you're, there's all kinds of topics on there that are pertinent for today, like the Liberty Council. They have legal, legal help for religious exemptions for the vaccinations, and there's the moral outcry petition to end abortion that's on that website. So we encourage you to check it out. It's 24-hour new, uh, news feed. 24 hours. And then we have the upcoming Heart of Christmas play that's coming. It's put on by Robert and Elizabeth Murren. It is amazing. It's here at the Karis Bible College campus. It will run December 10th through the 12th. And you'll want to go reserve tickets at awmi.net. And then we also have a live nativity that will play, take place on December 16th through the 19th. That's here on the Karis Bible campus. Kim, I want to jump in on that live nativity. Um, but that, this is the second year to do this. And, yeah. and it was so cool last year because what we've got these uh, super tall glass windows on the south side of the building here. And people can just drive right by there. And on the other side, they'll see Joseph and Mary and the whole manger set up. There's live animals out there. And this year, the whole campus here at, at Woodland Park is going to be lit up with all kinds of Christmas lights. It's going to be a wonderful event. What's the dates on that? December It 9th? is December 10th through the 12th. Oh, no. Six, the live nativity is the 16th through the 19th. 16th through the 19th. Yeah. So it's a great thing to do with your family. Come on out and enjoy the uh, live nativity here at Karis Bible College. Anyway, go ahead with yes. the rest of that. Yeah. And every week we encourage you to subscribe to our blog. Richard writes an amazing blog and we'd love to have new subscribers. And each week you're eligible to receive a gift. Last week we gave away the book Staying Full of God. It was signed by Andrew and Charles Schwaller is the winner of that. This week we will be giving away uh, more grace, more favor. And you can be eligible for that by uh, signing up on the website to be a subscriber. And um, 
We also want to talk to you about this broadcast tonight. It's interactive and we'd love to hear from you. So if you're on Facebook, you can go ahead into the chat and put a question and we'll try to get to your question and, and you can speak and ask a question to E.W. Jackson. And if you're on the uh, website at uh, truthandliberty.net, just go into the live chat and we'd be happy to um, answer your questions there. Um, we also would love to have you partner with us. What we do here at Truth and Liberty can't be done without the help of our partners. And so for a regular gift of $5 or more, uh, a monthly um, automatic withdrawal, we will give away this book to everyone, the Assault on America. And that is by Alex McFarland, an excellent, excellent book. And um, we also want you to know that we want to pr uh, pray with you. So during this live broadcast, you can um, go on to uh, Andrew Womack's helpline, call that at 719-635-1111, and there's prayer, prayer team that is trained to pray with you. Or you can just click the prayer button on the website. All right. Well, thank you, Kim. You're awesome. welcome. <laughs> well, folks, it's uh, uh, an awesome opportunity or honor for me to be able to introduce our guest tonight, uh, E.W. Jackson. Now, E.W. Jackson, if you've been watching Truth and Liberty for long, then you probably know who he is. And uh, he's been um, a guest on here several times. Uh, I, the best introduction I can give for E.W. is to say, I think he's the best preacher I've ever heard in my life. Now, Andrew, I cut out of that because he's a teacher, not a preacher. So I can say that and get away with it. E.W., I was at a conference that he was at um, a couple months ago, and he gave the invocation. And it's the only time I've ever seen a standing ovation for an invocation is after E.W. Jackson presented it. E.W. is a, a veteran of the United States Marine Corps, Harvard Law School graduate. He had summa cum laude from uh, University of Massachusetts at Boston. And he's an amazing individual, a great leader. Uh, and he's got a ministry called Stand, Staying True to America's National Destiny. E.W., it's so good to have you with us tonight. Thanks for coming on. Richard, it's my honor to be on, and you, you are too kind. I really appreciate that. But look, let me just let everybody know, I am a partner with Truth and Liberty because I really believe that, that Andrew Walmack's leadership in Truth and Liberty are doing something extraordinary for the country, which is putting biblical worldview together with the issues of the day that we are confronting and really speaking prophetically into the culture. So, my friend, I, I hope everybody watching is a partner with Truth and Liberty because we really need this ministry. I think it's unique. So God bless you. But thanks for having me on. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that, too. And speaking of Andrew, he's sorry he couldn't be uh, with us tonight, but, uh, you know, he sends his, uh, his greetings to you. And, you know, this ministry that you've got there, E.W. Stand, can you tell us more about that? What, what is this ministry? What's it devoted to? And how can people connect with you? Well, the acronym STAND, Staying True to America's National Destiny, which is really two messages. One is that God has a destiny for our nation, and in order for that destiny to be fulfilled, we have to take a stand. Uh, and I, I, I am so elated that more and more Christians are doing that. But when we formed this ministry back in 2009, now going on, well, 12 years ago, going on 13, uh, when we formed it, we really understood and believed that, that the presidency of Barack Obama was going to further divide our country racially, and introduce it to our culture, uh, some things that I think most of us would find toxic. And so we created the mission of uh, bringing Americans together across racial and cultural lines to fulfill 
and uphold and preserve our Judeo-Christian values and heritage and history, our constitutional liberties and, and, and all of that. And we've been working on those kinds of issues for the last 12 years, um, trying to, to help minorities understand that this is a great country, a gift from God, and that it should be treasured and supported and uplifted and, yes, made better in whatever ways we can. Uh, so we've done a number of different programs around that. We've got, we have something called Stand With Law Enforcement, which we encourage people to be reconciled and, and work together with law enforcement. Uh, we have a project where we call, that we call uh, One Nation Under God Services, where we bring people together and help them understand our history better so that we, people don't, aren't left only with the, the anti-American polemic that is often called history. It's not really history. It's, it's anti-American ideology. Mm. Um, so we're doing that. And then a program I think we're going to talk about later that we just started recently, Awakening Hearts and Minds, to deal with the problem of violence against children in the inner cities of our country. Well, that's awesome, E.W. Um, you know, that, that name of your ministry, Staying True to America's National Destiny, you don't, you don't really hear people talk like that about America having a destiny. What do you mean by that, and what does that mean by you? How did you come up with that name? Well, you know, the Bible says that uh, the kingdom of God is made up of every nation, tongue, and people. And I believe that there is no nation on earth that more resembles that than the United States of America. And we have people in our country from literally every part of the globe. You know, I can go to Japan and live there, but I'll never be Japanese. But a Japanese person can leave there, come here, and become an American. Um, and the same is true for the kingdom of God, isn't it? No matter where you've come from, no matter what the complexion of your skin, no matter what your national origin, you give your life to Jesus Christ, you become a part of his kingdom. There is no racial or, or national or ethnic requirement. And America is really the same way. We had our problems, of course, and we've made our share of mistakes, but we are a unique nation in that we represent the entire world. And I really believe that the destiny for America that God had in mind was to be a testament to what a nation can be like when it's built around principle, not around ethnicity and demographic. And so I, I think the destiny of America is to, for us to all come together, as uh, our, our Pledge of Allegiance says at the end, as one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, I've heard it said this, and I probably won't say it quite as artfully as it was originally said, but that uh, America is the only nation in the world that was ever built on an idea. Every other country in the world is built on you know, either where they're located nationally, naturally or on some ethnic group or maybe a language, but not America. America was birthed on an idea, and we find that in the Declaration of Independence. And, um, you know, uh, speaking of that, I, I had an occasion last year to, to be talking with a, a friend of mine who is um, uh, an African-American woman, and uh, she was, you know, it was during the whole time surrounding the killing of George Floyd, and, and everyone was so upset, and emotions were so intense, and she, she said some things that just alarmed me that I had never really heard before, but about how she felt like the Declaration of Independence wasn't for her and wasn't really for black people, that it was just for the people that wrote it for some other reason or whatever, and I was just so 
shocked by that mindset. Can you comment on that, E.W.? How does, and it seems like the black community's been, been fed us uh, uh, or sold a bill of goods in this way, but what do you think about that? How, is that a common mindset or attitude among black Americans? I don't think it's common among uh, black Americans. I think it is common among a certain elite class and the, the academics, the so-called scholars who think that they live with a, a heightened sense of enlightenment uh, over ordinary people or average people who are going about working every day and just doing the things they need to do to take care of themselves and their families. But look, words have meaning and they have a power all their own, don't they? Yes. And so when Thomas Jefferson wrote those words, what I say to Christians particularly is don't just limit the origin of those words to Thomas Jefferson. Understand that those words come out of the heart of God because those words acknowledge that God is our creator, that he gives us rights, that he gives us liberties. That's more than the brilliance of Thomas Jefferson. That's the inspiration of almighty God. And in that sense, those words, of course, apply to every American. And, you know, it's interesting, Richard. People still express admiration for Dr. King, but they either have lost touch with what he stood for or they don't care anymore. Mm. But Dr. King said in the great speech uh, in the March on Washington, the I Have a Dream speech, he said, when the, when the founders wrote the Declaration of Independence, they were writing a check to which every American would fall heir. He said, and we have come to Washington to cash that check. Wow, truer words were never spoken. That, those words were for me. They were for yeah. you. They were for our children. They were for every American. And so to just dismiss those words and say, well, Thomas Jefferson wrote them and they were only for the elites and so forth, is it's certainly not a biblical worldview. It, again, it's more of an anti-American view that seeks to legitimize our country. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. You know, I had chills when you said that. That's phenomenal. It, it seems like um, that if I, if I understood what Dr. King believed and stood for, it was that he wanted a world where race didn't matter, right? Where no one was divided or classified based on race, that we all stood on the same ground and were fellow citizens of the same nation. And, and yet it seems like the modern purveyors of so-called civil rights are doing exactly the opposite. They are dividing people according to race. And if we look at critical race theory, one of the things that you know, uh, people are waking up to in our public schools right now, that's exactly what it is, is classifying, dividing, and pitting one race against another. Am I right or wrong on that? Now, I, I think you're absolutely right, Richard. And I was thinking and praying about this today, as I do often, because, of course, this is an issue that captures the hearts and minds of so many Americans, either for good or for bad, and thinking about this concept of systemic racism, which is exactly what critical race theory teaches. And it, it, it hit me that the reason why they push this notion of America being inherently racist or systemically racist is what they really want is a systematic alteration of the nature of our country. And in order to do that, it's not enough to say, well, this individual over here is racist and that individual over there is racist, and you can maybe change that person's heart or limit that person's ability to hurt another person based on the color of their skin. But if the whole country is inherently racist, if it's systemically and hopelessly polluted with racism, then you've got to, in some sense, get rid of it and replace it with something else. 
Yeah. And I think that that's what critical race theory is all about. It's it's a it's a pseudo Marxist ideology that says America is hopelessly condemned as a racist nation, and therefore we've got to do something to fundamentally transform it. The problem is we've seen those attempts at fundamental transformations around the world, and they've always led to one thing: starvation, genocide, mass murder. And we don't need that here in our country. We built the greatest nation on earth. And Richard, I remind people mm. that you can't do this if you get everything wrong. <laughs> you, you can't build the greatest nation on earth by getting everything wrong. You must be doing something right because even the hand of God and his blessing on us could not be there unless America was doing something right that caused the blessing of God to be on our nation. Absolutely. Well, I uh, I could talk about this stuff all night long, but I want to get into um, the Virginia, the elections last week, especially in the state of Virginia, where the, the attention of the whole country was fixated on that. We had almost a total sweep by the Republicans of a state that many uh, conservatives and Republicans had kind of given up on as being a deep, deep blue state now. Oh, well, the Democrats have that. And look at this. Overnight, we've got Republican governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, and uh, other stuff. So can you comment on that, E.W.? What do you, what's your make? Uh, how do you make uh, of the results there? What do you think about all that? Happy to. And I hope the camera caught that my smile just got a mile wide. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, because it, it's, it, is, it is a celebratory time for us here in Virginia. And I really believe not just Republicans or conservatives won. I believe Virginia won because we've been headed down a very, very dark road under the leadership of these Democrats, many of them very, very radical. And we saw that come out during the campaign. So I think two things happened. I think, number one, we had some great candidates, and we'll probably talk about that later, but we really did have some great candidates. Um, but number two, this issue of schools and education and what teachers were teaching us came up. And, you know, the ironic thing is the reason why so many parents became aware of some of the bizarre things that were being taught was because of COVID and closing down schools and forcing parents to be aware of what their children yeah. were being taught at home over the computer. And parents just kind of looked and were shocked at what they saw. And then when they began to talk about reopening the schools and parents started realizing that they were teaching their children critical race theory and, and transgenderism, parents showed up at school board meetings and it blew up from there. And when Terry McAuliffe said he would not let parents tell teachers what to teach, that was a declaration of war on parents because he was, he was reversing God's order and saying, no, parents don't have the final say in their children's lives. We, the experts, the educators, the politicians do. And I think when he said that, he, he awakened a sleeping giant. And I would only add that he did that on the foundation of a failed Biden presidency. I mean, mm. Biden is down to 37.5% approval. We, had, we have the border in crisis. We have raging inflation, eroding people's ability to, to, to buy the things that they need for their lives, particularly those who might be on fixed incomes or limited income. Uh, we've got a, a runaway crime situation all over the country, 30% increase in murders. Uh, we, we've got it, it, the inability to apparently address the real issues that are facing our country. People want infrastructure addressed. What they don't want is free college education for illegal immigrants. What they don't want 
because some of these yeah. exotic, bizarre leftist ideas that they're trying to include in this legislation. And I think that was kind of the foundation. And when you overlay that with the parents hearing these Democrats tell them to butt out of their children's education, I, I think you had a formula for a real victory for parents and, and average Americans here in Virginia. And I'll tell you, I, I am elated by it. And I think it is the beginning of a major change, a major shift, not only in Virginia, but I believe in the country. Well, yeah, that was going to be my next question. Uh, you know, there's stories emerging from all over America of, of conservatives taking over school boards. I know here in Colorado, uh, uh, you know, there were lots of school boards uh, taken over. I, Truth and Liberty was um, working to educate voters on that subject, and we were real thankful for the results we had. You know, there's the guy in, in uh, New Jersey who defeated the incumbent head of the of the president of the state senate wasn't it and then a uh, truck driver you know on 153 dollars i think it was and lots of stories like that emerging so yeah. so i guess uh, you agree that that this is more than just virginia that this is a bellwether for the nation can you comment more on that you know abraham lincoln said you can fool some of the people all the time and all of the people some of the time but you can't fool all of the people all of the time and I think that the Democrat Party has been fooling people. You know, the late, great Rush Limbaugh used to say, liberals won't really tell people what they think because if they did, nobody would support them. Oh, man, that's What's it. What's happening is they're now telling people what they really think. And people are hearing it, and they're shocked. They, they can't believe what they're hearing. I mean, we talked a little bit about this. Our school, the, the school board in Loudoun County hid from a father... Mm. The fact that his daughter had been raped in the girls' restroom by a guy who went in there claiming to be a girl, wearing a skirt, and sexually assaulted his daughter. They hid that and then transferred this kid to another school where he committed another sexual assault. And he has been found guilty on the first count. So we're not talking about allegations. We're talking about an adjudication that has found him guilty. And they, they not only hid it, but when the father showed up at the school board meeting, they ridiculed him and denounced him and told him they thought his daughter was lying. I mean, wow. People see that kind of stuff, Richard and Kim, and just go, what, what is going on? Are the... Are the are the, the insane people running the asylum here? What, 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 where are we going? And I, I think people are just, they're, they're rising up all over the country and saying, this is not acceptable and we will not support it. Amen. Amen. Well, there in Virginia, um, you know, you've, you've got uh, Governor-elect Youngkin, and uh, I'm curious, what, uh, what should we expect from him and from his administration? Uh, is he uh, a, a strong conservative with biblical worldview? You know, I, I don't know Glenn Youngkin well. I've met him. I've talked to him. I've spent some time with him. And I tell you, I really believe that the man is a Christian. I really believe that he knows and loves God. Um, I've heard him tell the story about his uh, telling his wife about running and telling her that he really believed that God had called him to do this and that he was going to quit his job and run for governor. Um, and his wife uh, going along with that, that it really was a, a God thing. I was at a meeting with him, and we were about to go on stage to speak, and uh, I was talking about the fact that we could not, none of us can do what we do without prayer, and it was Glenn Youngkin who said, I'm so glad you said that. Can we all pray right now? Nice. And he led us in prayer. 
I, I really believe that that's the kind of man he is. Now, politics being what it is, I think every American citizen understands we should hold our elected officials accountable. And, and I think that we, we ought to understand that that's necessary no matter who we happen to elect. Um, and, and I think that Virginians will do that for Glenn Youngkin, but I really believe that people are going to be pleased with the direction in which he leads. And the same is true, I think, for Winsome Sears, uh, lieutenant governor-elect, and the attorney general, who has already said he's going to investigate what's been going on in Loudoun County. When he takes office, he is going to open an investigation into those cases to see what went on that this, that this crime against this young lady was hidden, uh, and, and uh, they refused to reveal it. They should have reported it to the authorities. They didn't do any of that. So there may be some criminal liability as well as civil liability at stake here. And this attorney general-elect has said, I am going to go after that as soon as I take office. So I think all three candidates are going to be a very refreshing change. Amen. Well, that's awesome. You know, uh, I don't know uh, about most folks, but I, I was watching election returns that night. And when I sat there and heard uh, Lieutenant Governor-elect Winsome Sears. I love her name, Winsome. <laughs> but when I heard her, now she's like you, she's got a lot in common with you, EW. She's a Lieutenant Governor, uh, Marine Corps veteran. There's a picture out there of her holding a, a, a rifle and stuff. Her, her speech where she gave glory to the Lord and, and uh, it was just so inspiring. What do you think of, of Winsome and, and how important is her election you know, on so many levels, to conservatism, to the message of, of truth among the black community and other things like that. What do you think about Winsome? I like to refer to her as the aptly named Winsome. <laughs> because Very nice. She is, she is a Winsome person. I know her personally. I like Winsome a lot. And I believe that Winsome is a sister in Christ. Um, she is a, a no-nonsense, get-it-done type individual. She's got a lot of that Marine Corps ethic that uh, runs through her veins. You know, let's charge that hill and let's take that territory. And of course, we saw her do this. Now, the lieutenant governor's power is, is um, primarily symbolic because the, the lieutenant governor doesn't have a lot. He doesn't really run the, the government in any way, as in some states, the lieutenant governor has a great deal of power. But the lieutenant governor breaks all tie votes. Mm. And in a close vote in the state Senate, just as in the federal government, the lieutenant governor gets to cast the deciding vote in a, in a tie vote. And we've seen some very important tie votes. So she has a extremely, she presides over the Senate, just as we do in the, with the federal, in the federal government, uh, in our, our United States Senate. And so she is going to have something to say about the legislation that comes through and some influence, but she's also going to be casting tie-breaking votes. I expect one of her biggest roles, though, will be a, as a symbolic leader helping to rally people and to get people engaged and involved because uh, she hasn't said this to me, so I'm not telling tales out of school, but I really believe that Winston Sears would and should be, could be, and should be the next governor of Virginia. Wow. That's great. Well, she might have to wait four to eight years, but uh, that'd be fantastic. You know, it, one of the things that's amazing uh, is that it didn't take any time at all for the left to begin attacking her, you know, after her victory. You would think that they would be excited because here's an African-American woman. Well, she's, she's actually Jamaican. Her immigration comes through Jamaica, but 
But nevertheless, a black American woman who wins an election like this, uh, a, a very high post, and they should be celebrating it, but that's not what they did, is it? You know, it's really shameful. It really is. And it just goes to show the left doesn't care about people, and they don't have any respect for the individual. Uh, they, they are people who see life through the lens of collectivism. And the only thing that makes you valuable is that you fit in with the collective as they define it. And, and Winsome doesn't fit in, because Winsome is espousing truth as opposed to repeating the lies of leftist orthodoxy. Uh, Winsome is not going to tell people, oh, America's racist and there's no hope and, and uh, they're going to hold everybody down and the police are out killing black people and all that. She's simple, because those things are lies. And she's not going to tell the lie in order to be accepted. She's going she's gonna to speak the truth. And they hate her for it. And I heard one commentator say, you know, I see a black face talking, but I hear white words coming out of her mouth as if the truth has a skin color or a race. I mean, the truth is what sets people free. And I am so grateful that we've got a lieutenant governor who is going to be speaking the truth. You know, if I may just say, Richard, one of my great disappointments, and there were many, of Barack Obama's presidency was that he didn't go into these inner cities and talk to these kids mm -hmm. and talk to these families and give them a sense of direction uh, and, and, and help them understand the things that they could do for themselves to make life better, the things that he did for himself that allowed him to become president of the United States elected twice. And instead, he just preached victimization, made himself right. a victim and everybody else a victim based on the color of your skin. You can rest assured, Winston Sears won't be doing that. Winston Sears will be inspiring people and uplifting people and helping them to do for themselves what needs to be done to make a better life for themselves. Well, E.W., I, I have a question for you about, about yeah, Winsome and, you know, the history of uh, the Republican Party among black Americans. You know, originally, uh, after the Civil War until all the way up to the 1950s and 60s, the, the, if I'm correct, the vast majority of black Americans were registered as Republicans. But there was a shift, I guess, that took place during that time period. And I'm wondering, does Winsome, um, does she represent in any way uh, a movement of blacks back to the Republican Party or an awakening to family values, conservative values on a political level? Of course, it's, those values have always been there. But to understanding uh, the political world through a more conservative lens, or what do you make of her victory along those lines? Is it, is it significant? I, I think it is, and I think it's indicative of a change that's going to come, and, and, and I think that that change is closer than we think, but I don't think it's going to happen overnight. You know, people have to remember that, yes, you're right, most Americans of African ancestry, of slave ancestry, were Republicans because, of course, Lincoln and the Republican Party were the party of, of anti-slavery and the party of freedom. Um, and so. It was unheard of for a black person to be a Democrat because the, the Democrat Party was the party of the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, it was the party of ending Reconstruction. It was the party of terrorism against black people, preventing them from voting. But something began to happen around the Roosevelt era. My father was part of that, and the people watching who are in my age group probably have parents likewise who just thought Roosevelt saved the country because of the CCC camps that my father attended that helped him get a meal, as they say, uh, three hots and a cot. 
and, uh, and allowed him to, to, to at least survive a very difficult period during the Depression. Uh, and the shift began then, and then it continued with Roosevelt integrating the military and, and, and making blacks and whites live together and ending the segregation. Of course, uh, we know that uh, Woodrow Wilson, as a Democrat, that, that had already begun in the Republicans, and then Woodrow Wilson, as a Democrat, resegregated the entire federal government. But Truman, Democrat, ended that. And then, of course, we know that, uh, skipping ahead to Lyndon Johnson, he came up with this idea that if you did the right thing from his perspective, which turned out to be create this vast welfare state, he opined that you could have black people voting for you for 200 years, only I will not say, uh, obviously, on the air, but we know he didn't refer to them as black people or Americans of African ancestry. He mm. used another word. Mm. Uh, which apparently he used quite commonly. But over that time, and then one, I sort of put a, a, a cherry on top of this, the symbolic gesture of John Kennedy calling Coretta Scott King while Dr. King was in prison had, and, and then, of course, Dr. Mm. King's father said, I am not going to vote Republican. I am going to vote Democrat. So all those things happening had a cascading effect, but that took 40 years, Richard. It took 40 years for that to happen. I believe this, we're going to see a shift back, and it's going to take less, because I think people are going to look at their lives and say, the ghetto still persists, uh, the, my children can't walk the streets safely, they're not getting a decent education, uh, and I don't see any hope for a better future under the policies of this party, and maybe I better give Republicans a chance. I think that's already begun, and I think we're going to see it accelerate over about the next decade or so. Wow. That's a great history lesson, and, and uh, great uh, to hear that. You know, one of the things that, that I, I, in preparing for tonight, I was thinking, you know, about all the lies of the left. They, they say one thing, and it turns out to be another. You know, with the BLM and all that stuff that happened uh, last year, and really and Antifa, and it's all still going on in the... They, they said, defund the police, defund the police, because the police are, are corrupt and e evil and they're oppressing our minor the minorities in our inner cities or whatever. And so now we look back and we look at those cities where they defunded police and they cut back on the police force. And what are we seeing? Uh, we're seeing spiking crime rates and murder rates. And, uh, you know, there's, they, they promise one thing and deliver an, another. What is happening in America's cities right now, EW, that has you concerned? And, and what do you think the answer is? See, it's, it's tragic, Richard and Kim. It's tragic. Murders are up 30% across the country, and most of those murders are happening in the inner city. Over 70% of those murders are happening to black residents. In other words, since George Floyd's death, since the rise of BLM, I mean, it already existed, but it really blew up in 2020, we have seen more black citizens murdered than at any time in the last six decades. Now, if, if we're going to judge them by their fruit, I would say the fruit's not very good, and therefore the root can't be good, uh, I think Black Lives Matter burst on the scene at a time of great emotional upheaval, but the reality is it is rooted and grounded in Marxism. They have no interest in, in really helping black people at all. First of all, the whole movement against police is based on a lie. I said we have something called stand with law enforcement as part of our organization's effort. Uh, police arrests 
on close to about 3 million black people, about twice as many white people every year, close to about 3 million. Of that 3 million arrested, the number of people who end up in violent interactions with police is statistically infinitesimal. And the number who actually die as a result of those, in, uh, those interactions are even more infinitesimal. And yet, even though thousands die at the hands of, of criminals in the inner city, you would think that the real problem with the lifespan of black people from as, as a result of the short lifespan of many as a result of violence is the cops. It's a lie. It's just not true. But Black Lives Matter rode that to about a $90 million budget last year, uh, people giving to them, corporations giving to them, uh, and they've used that money for no good purpose. And let me give you one example. You know, my organization has created something called Awakening Hearts and Minds to deal with the problem of, of violence against innocent young children. And I do mean innocent. I'm not talking about teenagers out there gangbanging. I'm not talking about teenagers getting involved in a robbery and somebody ends up shooting them. I'm talking about two-year-olds, three-year-olds, five-year-olds in their living rooms, sleeping in their bedrooms, playing in their yards, in their parents' cars, being shot dead as a result of gunfire going off in their neighborhoods when two gangs decide to, 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 to fight it out. We did we, one situation in Richmond where a mother and her three-month-old child sitting out on a beautiful spring day, sitting outside, just enjoying the weather, and some guys decided they were going to shoot it out killed the mother and the three-month-old three instantly shot dead right there in front of their own home. Mm. I mean, this stuff is has got to stop. So we've been talking to parents who've been victimized by this, whose children have been murdered, and we say, well, have you approached Black Lives Matter? Have they sought to help you in any way? They won't even give us the time of day. Mm. They're yeah. not interested. Well, if yeah. Black Lives Matter is their theme, you would think that they would be very interested, but they're not because they can't use that politically to advance their Marxist ideology, and so it's irrelevant to them. So Stan has taken up this mantle and said, look, we're going to do something to help these parents. So let me just say, if I may, Richard, Please. anybody who's interested in helping us to help people who are being victimized by all this violence, you can go to our website, standamerica.us, and you can contribute there to Awakening Hearts and Minds. And let us know you're doing that. We're using that money to help parents to funeralize their children. By the way, we're up to, if I'm not mistaken, 230 murdered children since George Floyd's death. Wow. 230. That's just children. Chil that's just children. That's not wow. everybody, because it's, it's in the thousands. But we're talking about innocent children. So we're helping with their funerals. We're helping parents to, to work with police to create a better atmosphere of, of cooperation. Because a lot of times what happens is, even though a child has been murdered, people know who's done it. The notion is, we don't talk to cops. Snitches get stitches. And so, so what? That's just sort of a collateral damage and, and moving on. So we're trying to get people to, to work with police and change that attitude so that we can solve some of these crimes and put the perpetrators uh, in prison. And then, of course, we're also trying to do things culturally to help people understand, look, the reality, Richard, is, and this has been demonstrated again and again, if you wait until you get married to have children, if you finish your education, high school, or get a trade, or go to college, if you stay out of trouble with the police, 
if you stay away from drugs and alcohol, you're not going to live in poverty and you're not going to live a degraded life. Those are things people can do for themselves. And so we're trying to bring those things to bear in the culture uh, so that people can have a better life while they're waiting for some kind of reform to happen by the government. Wow, that's, uh, that's great. I'd, I'd love for that message to get out all over the country. So everybody, if you're watching tonight and uh, that pulls on the strings of your heart, go to EW's website and let's put that up one more time, standamerica.us. And the name of the program is Awakening Hearts and Minds and uh, support that, that amazing ministry. Um, because it's not something the liberals are going to do. It's something that believers are going to do. And uh, we need to get the gospel into, into these homes and families and, and communities. But uh, I got one more question for you, W, before we go to taking questions tonight. And it, we kind of touched on this before we got going tonight. But if we look at the political landscape here in America, we see Joe Biden's numbers, like you said earlier, down to 37.5% approval. I don't know of any president who ever got that low. Uh, that's incredible. And yet we see no signs of the progressives letting up. No common sense coming into play here. OSHA just announced a vaccine mandate threatening uh, the, the jobs of 84 million Americans if they don't submit. I mean, they're more worried about kids getting COVID than they are about them getting murdered. And, and I think the number of children that have died from COVID in America is probably less than 10. Uh, and we have 234 being murdered by senseless violence. What, what in your mind explains the tone deafness of this administration and the modern Democratic Party as they relentlessly pursue this, I just have one word for it, crazy agenda? You know, Richard, I think the fundamental distance, uh, difference is God. Mm. Because look, you and I, Kim, you, uh, Andrew, all of us, and, 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 and probably most of those who are viewing this program, we have very profound convictions, very deep convictions based upon our faith in Jesus Christ and our adherence to God's word as truth. But we don't hate people. We're not interested in using people, manipulating people, um, abusing people, having people um, doing our bidding so that we can have, get some kind of reward from it. We're interested in blessing and serving and helping people. But see, without God, power really does corrupt. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. And I think the left has an ideology that leaves God completely out of the picture, which means that their power and their ideas are preeminent. And no matter what they have to do to implement those ideas for our good, of course, they will do by any means necessary. And so this is where you get the mandates. And no, you're not going to make your own choice about what you inject in your body. We will make that choice for you. Thank you very much. There's an attitude of forcing people. Uh, we see that in the, in the, in the new rules on, on culture speak, where you're not allowed to use the wrong pronoun. If you do, we're going to punish you. And we don't want to have a debate. We want to destroy anybody who dares to question uh, our ideological perspective on things. And so it's all about control. It's all about power. It's not about helping people or serving people. And I was thinking about Proverbs 29, 2, which says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. When the wicked bear rule, the people mourn. And I said, one of the distinctions between the righteous and the wicked is the righteous really care about and love people, and the wicked only care about themselves, and the people are nothing but a tool. 
And so when the wicked bear rule, and notice the righteous being in authority, but the wicked ruling. They, they want to rule over people. They want to command people. And the righteous want to serve people. And, we, you know, we're talking about the righteousness of Jesus Christ here, not some sort of worked-up righteousness that we have in and of ourselves, but the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And I think that's the dividing line. I think the battle we're in is ultimately not Republican versus Democrat or conservative versus liberal. It really is the truth of God's Word and God himself on the throne versus the evil and demonic forces that are seeking to lead our country over the cliff, frankly. You know, there's a line in, in uh, Milton's Paradise Lost that reminds me of where the left is, uh, where he puts in Satan's mouth, better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. Mm. And I mm. think that's where the left is, that they would rather reign in chaos than actually be the servants that our, our system of government requires them to be. They're not our masters. They are our servants, but that's not the way they see it. They see themselves as our masters, and they want us to obey and comply. And I think the American people realize that's not the nature of our government, that's not the nature of our culture, and they're simply not getting what they expect. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Well, we are uh, down to about 13 minutes left here. I want to make sure to give some time for questions. Kim, are we getting some questions coming in from the viewers? Yes, we sure are. Um, Sharon on chat wants to know, she says, I get into debates with family members who say the United States is not a Christian country. People came here just to be free of England. I say the United States was built on Christian principles. Who was right? You want me to take that? Yes, please. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, well, look, America does not have an official religion, and I think all of us would oppose it having an official religion, because even if our Constitution said Christianity is our official religion, then the next question would be, well, well what, which Christianity? <laughs> you know, what kind? We don't have an official religion. But culturally, we are a Christian nation. Look, even the Jamestown settlement, which most people believe was started not with any evangelical purpose in mind, but was started with the purpose of advancing the economic interests of the king. But even the, the Jamestown settlement entered into an, a, covenant, a covenant with one another in the name of God. The Mayflower Compact was a covenant in the name of God. Columbus came here looking for places to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, as well as to advance the economic interests of the king and queen of Spain. And then, of course, as the country unfolded, you begin to see this, this godly element. For example, people talk about America having slavery. Are most people aware, Richard, I know you are, are most people aware that in the early days of the nation, it was considered a sin to enslave a Christian? Hmm. Now, we know it was a sin to enslave anybody, but the notion was that, wait a minute, we, we know God looks upon Christians, they're his people, <laughs> we better leave them alone. That's just been the nature of our country throughout our history, and, and the Declaration of Independence reflects that. The Constitution reflects that. In the preamble, it says, our Constitution was written to secure the blessings of liberty. So we are culturally a Christian nation, and they can deny it all they want, but that's just a fact. Amen. I agree with that 100%. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a question from Bob on chat. This is about your organization's stand. He wants to know how it's responding to diversity equity, diversity indoctrination, and CRT initiatives. Well, we oppose it. Um, and as an organization, we get into those issues as we carry out the programs that we do. 
But I've just finished a book. Uh, it will be published sometime uh, early next year called Sweet Land of Liberty, Reflections of a Patriot Descended from Slaves. And that book is an answer to CRT, the 1619 Project, and all of that. As an organization, as you, you know me, Richard, I don't even use the term African-American. I use the term American of African ancestry or American of Irish or American of German because I, I want to, to really drive home the point that we've got to see ourselves as Americans first from a national perspective so that we can be unified as one family as opposed to the tribalism that the left is trying to perpetrate against us. And by the way, that's what CRT, the 1619 Project, are all about, dividing us as tribes and having us warring against one another. So my organization's very platform and mission is against that and is reflected in everything we do. Yeah, that, that phrase, diversity, equity, inclusion, those are buzzwords for the radical LGBT movement and the Marxist um, critical race theory. They're kind of in league together on that. But, but that LGBT stuff is all throughout there. So they're, they're masters, aren't they, EW, at taking good, nice words and, and co-opting them for their movement. And uh, they make it sound like one thing when in reality it's another. Yeah, it's called lying. <laughs> 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 there you go. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. Well, that's the end of the show. No. Uh, <laughs> go ahead, Kim. I think we got another question. Yeah, Stacy on Facebook wants to know, what do you think about the possible continued fraud with the Dominion machines in the 2022 elections? Look, without getting into the weeds on the Dominion machines, I would say this. We have got to be vigilant about our elections and the integrity of yes. our voting process. If we don't, we're going to lose our country. And, and it, it does, here again, it pains me that, that the leftists want to dismiss 75 million people, half the voters in the country, who are concerned about this issue. Because, you know, Richard, I know you share this. Mm -hmm. Kim, you share this with me. I would rather lose an election honestly than cheat to win it. Mm -hmm. that's, that's just because I know God is not going to honor cheating. And so we all ought to be able to come together around, let's make sure that our elections are, are easy for people to vote, but very, very, very difficult for people to cheat. And that's going to be up to the legislatures in the states because the federal government cannot take over our elections. That would be unconstitutional. I don't care what Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer say. Uh, that's a state matter, not a federal matter. And you need to tell your state legislators and your governors out there that they need to make sure that our elections are are as free as possible of any attempts to fraud uh, uh, and, 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 and be aware that no matter what the left says, if there is no fraud, of course there is. <laughs> and we read about cases in which people are found guilty of committing fraud every single week. I can find you a case of that uh, when, around election time. So we need to make sure that we secure the integrity of our elections. You know, uh, circling back here a little bit to the, what happened uh, last week, and especially in Virginia, uh, someone there uh, active on the ground was telling me that um, there was a special effort to mobilize churches in Virginia and that there were, um, I forget the number, but many, many, many uh, volunteer election workers, poll judges and watchers, and that they uh, actually just kind of, uh, uh, I don't want to use the word invaded, but they went into all these precincts. And in fact, in one location, uh, the, the hired people there, they saw all these 
uh, honest salt of the earth people came in and two of them resigned on the spot and left. And I have to wonder uh, how much impact that had in preserving the integrity of those elections that just took place in Virginia. So uh, I don't know, had you heard about that, EW? Enormous impact. And I think that's, that's the other thing, that no matter what the laws are, We've got to make sure that there are people in those polls who are dedicated to making sure that that electoral, electoral process is an honest one. And this time in Virginia, we did not fail to do that. And I think that that helped make the difference. And by the way, can I just add, anybody out there thinking right now, I'm not voting, it doesn't matter, they're going to cheat anyway, Virginia is proof that that's not true. So you've got to get out and vote and then hold our elected officials accountable for making sure that the process is not rigged. Oh, great point, great point. Uh, Sharon on chat, she asks, is it true that Biden wants to give illegal immigrant families hundreds of thousands of dollars for each family member? And if so, do you think it will happen? Yes, he wants to do that. He lied about it the first time and said, that's garbage. And he, you know, kind of fudged the issue. Then he came back and Say, oh, I meant we're not going to give him 450,000. So it might be 425,000. Mm. Um, yeah, he wants to do it. And he doubled down on this in the comment, I think, that he made uh, here re very recently, where he said, We separated from them, them from their children and they deserve to be compensated. And I thought to myself, I didn't hear that kind of passion about the 13 people who died in Afghanistan. Uh, I haven't heard that kind of compassion about the, the, thousands who are dying in the streets of our cities, you know, it's almost as if they want to stick their thumb in the eyes of the American people and, and reward people who have violated our laws as a way of saying, Americans don't matter, these folks do. And here again, it goes back to the point earlier, it's all about power. It's not about people or helping people or caring about people. It's about whatever is needed to secure their power. You, you, can they do it? I don't think they're going to be able to get that done. But if they were to get it done, can you imagine what the border crisis would be like? We've already got a crisis. You can, you can probably multiply that exponentially if you start giving out money to illegal immigrants who come across the border. The cartels would love it. They'll start engineering the separation of families so they can collect that money, extort that money from the illegal immigrants who get it eventually from our government. It is a preposterous idea. Uh, Michael on chat is asking, why do you think they're so determined to get everyone vaccinated? Well, I think that's a, a multifaceted mm -hmm. answer. Uh, I would say a couple of things. One is, I really believe that there is a move afoot to teach the American people to respond to our government in a way that is not healthy or constitutionally appropriate, which is just unthinking obedience and compliance. You know, we Americans are people of freedom, and we respect our government, but we're skeptical of it because our founding fathers instilled in us this idea that power should be limited. In fact, I taught about this in my Sunday morning sermon, believe it or not, mm -hmm. that the Constitution uh, provides for limited and enumerated powers by the government. There is no constitutional authority for any governor, mayor, or president to command anybody to inject themselves with something or to allow themselves to be injected with something, that's completely unconstitutional. And there's no legislative authority for the Congress to pass any law that would require that. And so I think it's about teaching us to respond differently toward our government and the Constitution than is appropriate with, with just absolute obedience 
And once you learn to do that, your freedom is over. Mm. So that's one aspect of it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, here in Colorado, I just saw a couple days ago that Governor Polis just issued a new order here, uh, giving supposedly giving hospitals the permission to refuse care to people who have not received vaccinations uh, for COVID. Uh, and this kind of drawing of classes of citizenry, those who comply are in the approved class and those who don't are unapproved. I can't hardly think of a less American or a more un-American idea. I don't know if you've heard about that, EW, but maybe take 30 seconds and respond to that aspect of this whole thing. You all know that I do a radio program on American Family Radio. I'm on every day and I take calls every day, Monday through Friday at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern time. I've had people call me. In fact, I had a caller here again, very recently, who said that one of her relatives needed a kidney transplant and the hospital told them, unless you get the vaccine, we don't even want to see you. Mm -hmm. You can't get on the list. So we're now talking about actually condemning people to death unless they get the, this, this shot. Uh, here again, that is so counter to everything that America represents. They could do other things. They could test you before you have an operation, but instead they're condemning you to death. And here again, that's the kind of, of overreach that we're seeing in our culture right now that's got to be stopped. Yeah, absolutely. This idea that you're not worthy uh, if you don't agree with us. It, it permeates all of cancel culture. Well, um, listen, we've got about a minute left, EW, so I got to uh, wind this down. Uh, man, it's been great having you on the show. So good to talk to you. What a wealth of wisdom and, and uh, passion, and I just uh, appreciate it so much. I'd like to put his website up one more time, if we could, um, so that people can uh, be reminded of that. StandAmerica.us. Uh, get on there, everybody, and check out his ministry support him. Uh, as we're ending here tonight, um, I'd like to thank also CTN for airing this broadcast and also just a special thanks and shout out to Andrew Womack uh, for all of his leadership and for this opportunity and making this forum possible. So uh, if you haven't checked out our website at truthandliberty.net, please do that. There's a host of resources that we put on there just to help you get informed, get involved, and to take a stand for truth in the public square. Also check out the events coming up here at Andrew Womack Ministries and Karis Bible College with the Heart of Christmas show coming up. That's a highlight of the year here. If you make it out for that, you'll be glad you did. But uh, thank you, Kim, for joining us tonight. Thank you. thank you, EW, for joining us. And to all of you who watched tonight, God bless you. Thanks for watching. And uh, we will see you again next week at 6 o'clock Mountain Time on the Truth and Liberty Livecast. God bless you. Join us next time for the Truth and Liberty broadcast. Find tonight's episode and related articles and links at truthandliberty.net. Truth and Liberty is viewer supported. If you'd like to help us continue our live casts, you can make a donation at truthandliberty.net 